Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Roberts, and as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And coming to you from Starkville, Mississippi, uh, did not get a chance to get you guys a weekend show. I apologize. I will make it up to you at some point. Uh, just couldn't get it done. Just so much going on. Uh, we're out in San Diego for uh, for a few days for a, a business conference out there for the new business. Learned a lot. Uh, watched the game and did the play-by-play article from a dive bar there in San Diego. And I'll tell you this, if you've never been to San Diego, let me encourage you to go. I didn't get a chance to get out and go to the zoo. I, I plan to do that next year when we go. But uh, San Diego is great. The weather's great. The people are super nice. I, I, I never at any point felt uncomfortable in San Diego. Ubered around most places, walked some places too that were within uh, walking distance to the hotel. Just kind of get out and enjoy the weather. Just be together. And uh, yeah, it was cool. I mean, met a lot of nice people. A lot of people eager to talk. Had a couple people tell me, you don't look like you're from Mississippi. Well, I don't, I don't know what they expect. Maybe I don't look like the uh, average Mississippian. But uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was. And I uh, took the red eye back. I, the game ended. We'd already checked our bags, so I had to hustle to the airport, got to the airport, and uh, let me, indulge me for a moment, if you will. You know, I'm not a frequent flyer. I don't like flying. I did okay. I did okay. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I did okay. After maybe the first takeoff, I was, I was okay. Um, I do enjoy those uh, video screens on the back of the seat with United. You know, you just kind of, they would give you the, the earphones, you plug in, you can watch movies. I watched... Uh, let me think here. What was it called? The Jake Gyllenhaal movie, the uh, the Covenant, maybe about uh, yeah. He was over in Afghanistan and had an interpreter that helped uh, save his life, and then he in turn helped the guy get a visa and save his family from the Taliban. It was an interesting movie. Then I watched a uh, great documentary about Kenny Wayne Shepherd's Trouble Is album. I'm a big Kenny Wayne Shepherd fan, but uh, yeah, but 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 security, TSA security. In San Diego's a joke, man. It is. It's a joke. And I, and I think I may have been profiled, to be honest with you. I mean, nowadays everybody gets a chance to, to uh, claim victimization. But, uh, yeah, I think I was probably profiled in San Diego. I was. Never had any problems with security anywhere on the flight. All of a sudden I go through uh, security in San Diego and uh, got selected for the pat-down, which took a long time. Uh, had to uh, turn my hat over. They had to go through my hat. They took my bag, went through the bag, and then ran it through the scanner like four times. It kept slowing me down. I finally said, "May I please have my bag?" They're like, "Oh, well, we got to do this." And I was like, "You've already if you hadn't if, if you hadn't done it by now, you're not going to do it, you know." And then it's so then then the guy wants to get a little mouthy with me. And you know, I just I'm from South Mississippi. Okay, we just don't take kindly to that. TSA agent or not, I'm not going to be disrespected. My wife finally stepped in and said, babe, please don't say anything else. We don't want to miss our flight. We don't want to be pulled out because you're being unruly. I said, I'm not being unruly. All I said is, may I please have my bag? And then the guy barks at me and, and is like, well, you know, you did this, you did that. I said, I didn't do any of those things. And I said, if it were, there was some consistency among TSA security checkpoints, we wouldn't have these delays. He said, sir, you're delaying the process. I said, no good, sir. You are delaying the process. I said, I don't know what you're looking for or who you're looking for. I am not him. I do not have it. And then a supervisor walks up and says, sir, can I be of assistance? I said, yes. I said, you could go ahead and complete this so I can go get on my plane and fly back 
East. And, of course, sure enough, they get somebody. And then the guy comes up and apologizes. Sir, I'm so sorry. You know, you can go right ahead. And he's like, there was a problem. You know, we, we kept seeing something in your bag. I said, it's probably a microphone. I said, why not just open the bag? I'm standing here, right? Just open the bag. And, of course, they do. And they see my new microphone that I'm not using right now. But, uh, but anyway, that, that's the only downside of the trip, I would say. That and the fact that when after I flew back to Washington, we got back to Washington, D.C., I don't know, 4 o'clock in the morning, Maybe that's right. We did a red eye, and then we get to Knoxville, and the flight's been delayed. So your good friend and host had to take a nap on the bench there at the gate. That was fun. Got back to Knoxville, I guess, around 1 o'clock, and uh, got a few hours sleep, and got back to Starkville around midnight. But, uh, yeah, it was a good trip. I didn't like the outcome of the game. I've had plenty of time to think about what I wanted to say on the show. So we're going we're gonna to break down the game. I'm going to give you my honest opinion. You may not like it. You may, you may not agree with it. There's some positives. There's some negatives, and I'm not happy. I know you guys aren't happy too, because we listen. This is sports is a results-based business, right? It, it's not art. It's not up for interpretation. It's not a matter of opinion. We have a scoreboard, and either you win or you lose. And when you don't lose, a lot of times it's your own fault. Sometimes you get beat because you're just not good enough. We were good enough Saturday night. We just didn't win the ball game. But uh, yeah, did the play-by-play article from the from the dive bar. Got on a plane. And uh, flew back east. and uh, But, yeah, it kind of helped having Dana with me. Kind of calmed my anxiety a little bit. But, yeah, I don't, I don't like flying. I don't. I did okay. I did okay. I did okay. A lot of people messaged me and said, hey, Steve, hang in there. I even joked on Facebook. I said, hey, you know, your boy's not a great flyer, so maybe say a few prayers for Dana. But, uh, yeah, we made it. We made it just fine. You know, and, listen, I get it. You know, I understand. It's, it's kind of a control issue, right, for me. It's like I don't like – not being in control when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, I always feel like if, if, if I have an accident, I would like to know that I'm somehow responsible, I guess, you know, if it was something I did. Of course, you can drive down the road and be hit by a drunk driver, and that's got nothing to do with your ability to drive or no matter how smart or intelligent you are. But, uh, but nevertheless, it was, uh, it was a great trip, and I do plan to go back to San Diego again. There were so many things we didn't get to do. It's just I didn't have time. I didn't have time to even record you guys a show. So... That's part of the deal. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to bringing True Rest to you guys uh, under construction now. Some big developments have already happened. They'll start framing up some walls. And so, again, the hope is to be open by the end of the year. Yeah, so we'll get that lined up and give you guys more information as we get there. But, uh, yeah, learned a lot. Learned a lot. And one of the things that I'll share with you guys, too, before I move on from this, because we've got to spend a lot of time talking about the, uh, the ball game and kind of where we go from here. But uh, one of the main things that one of the main reasons that I wanted to open this business, because we could have done anything, right? I mean, I, I feel like I've got a good name in this town within this fan base. I mean, you know, I could have done anything, and many of you guys would have supported it because you want to support me, and I, I'm eternally grateful for that. I mean, I guess I could have opened up another Mississippi State memorabilia shop, something like that. Uh, could open a Mexican restaurant, whatever, you know. We got enough of those, but I wanted to do something different. And uh, so we were going around the room and everybody's talking about, you know, how did you get into this? Why are you looking to do this? And that's one of the things that I brought up and I said, you know, I remember the first time I floated and it's different than you may think. It's not like just going to float in your bathtub, completely different, completely different experience. So don't get confused. But uh, listen, I'm a guy that's, I have some anxiety issues. I, I do. You know, and it's one of those things, too, like I'm always engaged. Like I never, ever, 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 like I have a lot of peace. And, um, 
you know, times I get on the road and I just kind of unplug for a while and I'll put on a Dateline podcast or I'll put on, you know, an old uh, 80s rock album that I hadn't listened to in a while and I'll just calm. It's kind of my healing time. And, and you all, if, if you don't have some time to yourself, I'd encourage you to get some. You know, Dana likes to go run. I used to take that personally, uh, which is stupid. But uh, yeah, she likes to go get out and run a little bit and just kind of be one with herself. And we all need that. But when I floated for the very first time, as soon as I got out of the pod, I walked out of there and I thought, I've never felt this way my whole life. I've never felt this calm and at ease and at peace with the world my entire life. And so I remember looking at Dana and she's like, isn't it great? And I was like, I don't know that I've ever had the world slow down on me the way this has. I just feel like everything is okay. I just felt more in control. I didn't feel like a passenger in my own life. I felt like, okay, now I'm the captain. That's how I felt. And so as I got home that evening, I got to thinking, I was like, you know, this is a wonderful thing. I need to find a place to float, you know, in Mississippi or somewhere close by, you know, and, and there's not anything. And I wanted you guys and ladies to have that same feeling that I had. It's like, you know, because I get up in the morning, like my eyes open up and, you know, it's like I'm already thinking about the million things I got to do today. I don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't want anybody to be waiting around on me. I want to get things done. And I felt like I was so much more efficient after floating. I felt that I was more at peace. I slept better for like two or three nights in a row. And uh, listen, I, I, I treat Dana like a queen and uh, she'll tell you the same. I think I was even better then because I was able to just kind of take things in a proper context. And so I, I thought to myself, not just for my own mental health and my own physical health, I thought, listen, we could bring this to Starkville because I want all of you to have that same level of peace, if that makes sense. I thought, you know what? I would be doing a service to my friends and family and the Mississippi State fan base and Starkville as a, you know, as a whole by giving people this opportunity. It's amazing. It is. And the more that I learn about it, the better um, I feel about it. I, I think it's going to be one of those things. I think once you do it, you're going to think, you know what, I need to do this more often. I need to do this once or twice a month. I think you're going to find, too, there's a lot of people out there that say, you know, Stephen, it's uncomfortable with this, and I don't know. Listen, I was the same way. I was. And after about five, ten minutes, I got settled, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. I met a guy this weekend that um, did like an 11-hour float, and he said, but, Steve, how, do, how was he not all pruned up? You don't prune. You don't prune in, uh, in this water. You, you don't. But nevertheless... Excited to bring this to you guys, and again, that's True Rest. It'll be on uh, Highway 12 near campus soon. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Thinking thinking of things I love to share with you all, it's Bulldog Burger Company. I have been a raving fan of Bulldog Burger Company since they opened their doors. So proud to partner with them. I love them, man. I do. And uh, there's so much that I love about the place. Number one, it's number one. I get more than I pay for. How many places in life can you say that? Well, yeah, I feel like I got a great deal. Listen, you get a tremendous deal with Bulldog Burger Company because the portions far exceed the price you pay for them. It's incredible. Go and have that great restaurant quality hamburger. Have those spring rolls, guaranteed to make you better looking. Get that chocolate shake to go. 
You got three locations you can do that. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street and Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. I love going in there because I know exactly what to expect. A great meal at a great price with great service and a great atmosphere. Man, Bulldog Bird Company's home. It is. And uh, I look forward to getting back in there soon. It's going to be a busy week for me, but uh, I look forward to being back in there at some point this week. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk about this ball game. I'm unhappy. I'm just going to say it for what it is. I am unhappy with the outcome of this football game. I don't get caught up and, yeah, listen, we need to recognize the fact that Tulu Griffin had a great night. Absolutely. Absolutely without question. But I, I would submit that he would probably tell you he'd give up probably 100 of those yards for a W, right? Totally probably okay if he didn't even catch a football, provided we win, because he's a team guy. But he had a huge night. And I know we're always looking for the positives. It's tough for me to find positives when we lose games that we should win. And that's how this one felt. Uh, we were not ready to play. <clears throat> no, we came out, and hey, we punched hard in that second quarter. Did a good job kind of battling back there. But we came out for the second consecutive week underprepared. I'll just say it for what it is. We were not prepared to play this ball game. We woke up, but we got out in too big of a hole, and uh, we're going to talk about that. That that, that just can't happen, especially when you go on the road. The last thing you want to do is go out there and do things that enable the home crowd to get behind them because momentum automatically is against you, and then you give a sellout crowd reason to basically swallow you up, and that's kind of what happened here in this ball game. Give our kids credit and our coaches credit for battling back. At the end of the day, it's a loss. That's the thing about competition. There's a winner, there's a loser. You don't get a draw in college football. Either you win or you lose, period. And we lost. I'm not going to sit here and beat us up, but let's acknowledge that for what it is. If, if, you're, if you're tuned in today expecting a pity party or a moral victory parade, you're going to get neither one of those things. Good call it for what it is. All right, so uh, again, we lose the toss. I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, we, you know, we hadn't won a lot of tosses. But um, I guess we uh, we won against LSU. We won a toss and uh, elected to go on, on offense first. But uh, but nevertheless, that's what happened. So they defer. We get the ball first. It's a touchback. Give them credit. They did a good job. Uh, you know, with their with their kick off specialist this week and uh, ensured that, hey, we're not going to go let Tulu Griffin ignite that sideline over there. But first and 25, and, and of course, we come out there, and I, I picked it on Gene's page. People said, hey, what's your first play? I said, it's going to be Woody off the left side. They get us for two yards. Their defensive ends whipped our tackles from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. And I know we've moved some people around, but it's not – whatever we're doing is not working. We're getting beat off the edge – with regularity. South Carolina kind of set the tone early in this ballgame. Second, 12, we run left again for five, brings up a third and seven. We hit Tula Griffin for 33. It was a great look. It was a great pass. It was a great reception and a great result. First down, you start thinking, at the very least here, we got a chance to get some field position. And good job again by our special teams. But at the end of the day, it didn't mean much when it's all said and done because – Defensively, we were so inept early in this ballgame. 
All right, first and 10 from the South Carolina 39. We run middle, and they stack it up, and two lose. Excuse me, Woody's hit for a five-yard loss. This is not – Woody Marks gets dinged for the five-yard loss, but this is on the offensive line. Second and 15, Mike Wright comes in the game, rushes for three yards. We brought Mike in and used him a little bit to change the pace guy. I like how we used him. I don't know if we used him enough. But the way Will was playing, I get it. Third and 12, we're incomplete across the middle to Woody Marks. We end up punting. We're punting from there 41, and, and there's a, a time in this ball game. you might think, you know what, I might go, but not on third and 12. Andrew Osteen, 39-yard punt. It's down at the South Carolina, too. Right now I'm thinking, okay, we'll get decent field position out of this. Well, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't because South Carolina's like, oh, here we go. And this is what I'm talking about. How does, the, how does this happen on the very first drive? I understand, like, give Ole Miss some credit. They always scheme it up like the first drive. It's kind of run on down the field on you. But, um, you know, kind of is what it is. But uh, it felt like we were chasing the game from this point forward. All right, so uh, first and ten, they rush Joyner up the middle for a one-yard gain. Good play by Pick here. Second and nine, they run Joyner up the middle again for two. It's like we're going to make – we're going to run the football until you tell us we can't. Third and seven uh, is complete to Trey Knox across the middle, and immediately I'm thinking we're doing it again. We're vacating the middle of the field and allowing that easy completion there for first down. All right, now they've got some breathing room. First and ten, they're on 18. Uh, they swing it out to Joyner for six. DeCarlos and Jet on the tackle there. Third and four. They get us again, get DeCarlos chasing and run that crossing right across the middle, and then uh, Xavier Leggett wins a foot race and uh, out in the open field. It's a very impressive athlete. You're not going to run him down. 76 yards for the touchdown. So it's a big play here. We're kind of keeping him hemmed up, and next thing you know, they they hit a, basically a shallow cross here, and then Leggett outruns everybody in the end zone. It just can't happen. Extra points good at 7 nothing. We've been punching the mouth, and right now you're thinking, you know what, we're not in a good place. We're not in a good place. First and 10 at our 25 after the touchback. We run right for Woody, get four, brings up manageable second and six. We hit Justin Robinson for 10 first down. First and 10, we, we give it to uh, – no, we drop back the pass here. Will takes off and gets seven yards, dives forward rather than dives behind, makes it a second and three. And right here I'm thinking, okay, we're about to cross midfield here. We'll, we'll go answer. We take a shot down the field to Xavion Thomas. Looked like P.I. to me. They don't, they don't call it. Maybe that was a good call. I'm inherently biased in favor of Mississippi State. I'm just saying what it is. Uh, third and three, we get it out to Woody, and it's a one-yard loss. Not even a check down was there. So it gives the South Carolina defense some credit here. Then Keelan Crimmins comes in with a 54-yard punt that is touched down at the South Carolina 1. Back-to-back punt coverage team uh, does a great job on back-to-back plays. Great job by them and uh, two different punters there, but Keelan Crimmins, 54 yards, and you can tell the kid's starting to figure some things out. they got to go 99 yards, and guess what? They do. They do. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Uh, Mario Anderson rushes the middle for three. They give it back to him for nine, which moves the chain, makes it first and 10 to 13. Mario Anderson, again, off left side for three, complete to Omega Blake for 11. Now it's first and 10 at their 27. We get Anderson uh, for a short gain here for two. They go back to him for three, makes a third and five. And then uh, we sack Spencer Radler. And we're flagged for 15 yards for the personal foul. And it was a legitimate call. And no, excuse me, it was a horse. That, that it's listed uh, as, I think maybe, uh, anyway, 
is a horse tackle, horse collar tackle, if I can get it out right. Uh, and it was the right call. And it was unnecessary, but it's like, you know, it's just part of it. Like when you're chasing and chasing and grabbing, just trying to get the guy down on third down. You don't fall boogie here, but it's just one of those bad luck deals. Because, he, you know, you, you could have got him out of bounds. But in the heat of the moment, you just can't look at it that way. Now, all of a sudden, instead of us being off the field, they have a first down at their 47. They give it to Joyner for seven. Come back to Luke Doty for four. That moves the chains. First and 10 at our 42. Joyner runs off left side for two, and then Rattler gets flushed and runs for six, makes a third and two. And, hey, we bow up here. They decide to run, and we stack it up. Makes a fourth and one. They call timeout and talk about it. They go back to Mario Anderson, their big, big back, and he pushes right through the middle for five. We've got to figure out some things there on the interior. First and ten now. Anderson off left side for five. Back to him for one. Makes it third and four at our 22. And uh, they decide to, uh, to, you know, to run the ball here, and we stack it up. So it's third and four. It runs out the quarter. I would kick right here, but Shane Beamer's like, you know what? We've been running the ball with such success. Let's see if we can't make something happen. And what do they do? They get us, man. They get us on a fourth and four. They get us to uh, to jump off sides. If we don't, I bet they kick the field goal. And looking back in hindsight, this is one of those plays that ultimately impacted the game's final score. You know, a lot happens over the course of a ball game. But you look back here. If we play disciplined football here and don't jump, and unfortunately it was Buki, one of our super seniors, they're kicking a field goal here. Could have been significant in the end. That's why every play matters. You know, we, you know, we always talk about, you know, it comes down to this. No, it comes down to every single snap. And this is proof positive, proof, proof positive of that. Now it's first and 10 at our 17. And they get right to the end zone. Trey Knox for the touchdown. Extra point is good. It's now 14 nothing, And it felt like it was going to be a really, really long night. And in the end, it proved to be because we lost the football game. But uh, give State credit for fighting back here. We answer right away. Um, so, touch back again here. And, uh, we, you know, we're trying to push the ball there across the middle. gets broken up. The very next play, it's a play action shot to Tulu Griffin, who lined up on the left side and basically runs a deep post in. And, uh, you know, great throw by Will. Great catch by Tulu. Thrown in stride, caught in stride. And it's a touchdown, 65 yards. Uh, pretty, uh, that, uh, I forget too. It wasn't a touchback. They kicked the ball out of bounds here. Made it uh, first and ten from our 35. So great start for Tulu. Extra point is good. Makes it 14 to seven. You feel like okay, we're in it. Okay, we got in a big play. We've counterpunched. You're back in it. Let's go make something happen. And we get a chance here. Great, great bow up here by the defense. You think okay, maybe we're figuring some things out. Kickoff was a touchback. Joiner runs for five, complete to Joiner for no gain, brings up a third and five, and then we sack Spencer Rattler. Nathan Pickering with the sack there, makes it fourth and seven. They punt, and then we get a 15-yard return. You're thinking, we're fixing to go tie this ball game up. That's what you think, right? That's how we're feeling. It's like now we've got some things figured out on defense. Let's go make it happen. All right, first and 10 at uh, our 38. We're incomplete to Justin Robinson. Then on second and 10, uh, we hit Tulu for another 47-yard gain. Now it's first and 10 at their 15. Again, these are we talk about plays within the play. You know, here we are, first and 10, their 15. We get anything here, anything. It's maybe a different ballgame. We run Woody at the middle for nothing. Second and 10, 
We complete the Zavion for six, which makes it a third and four. Now, this is the deal right here. Okay, again, plays within the game, right? We give it to Woody, who gets off left side for the touchdown, and it's called back for a holding penalty on Rowling uh, Goaty. And it was. It, it was the right call. I didn't like it, but it was the right call. I didn't like it because it takes a touchdown off the board. I don't know that Woody gets in without the hold anyway. But he's flagged for it. Makes it third and seven. I'm, I'm thinking, though, even if Woody doesn't get in there, it's probably a first down, right? On third and seven, we get a chance again, and we get a shot at the end zone. If we don't get it, we kick the kick field goal, and uh, it's 14-10 ball game. Will gets flushed right side and should have thrown this ball away. Now, I know we get so caught up, and you know, he, he steps out, he steps back in. What's reestablishment? Now, listen, I get it, and I, I'm glad we challenged it. But you don't throw this football. There's nowhere to go with the football. And Will will tell you in hindsight, and I love Will, I do. And, uh, you know, sometimes people say I can't be objective about Will. I'm going to tell you this. Will should not have thrown this pass, period. We take a chance here and ends up getting picked. We throw this ball away, we kick a field goal. You don't want to be chasing points. This, I, know, I know you want to tie the game, and you're frustrated because you just had a touchdown come off the board, so you want to get it back. This is a moment we wish we had back. Instead, it's an interception. They review it. They, they call on the field stands. So instead of us being within uh, four points, it's still a seven-point ball game. Again, two, two back-to-back bad plays by the Bulldog offense. Back-to-back. Godet didn't have to hold. Will didn't have to throw that pass. Neither should have. Both did. And it cost us. We come away with nothing. South Carolina takes over at their two. Seemed like the entire ball game, we had him backed up inside the 10. This time, we make him pay for it. Uh, Mario Anderson rushes at the middle for one. Rattler then completes the Leggett for 14. They, they love that little out route. They do. First and 10 at their 17. Anderson rushes for six. Then Rattler is complete for a one-yard loss to Eddie Lewis. Makes it third and five. And it's a pass that uh, Omega Blake gets, but uh, great tackle here. Um, and they end up having a punt. Fourth and three. And Kai Kroger gets off 44-yarder to our 32. And State counters. As bad as we've played, all of a sudden, this ballgame's a tie game. The scoring drive begins at our 32. Uh, we go to Marks for a one-yard game, and then we hit Tulu for 60. Another great throw and a great catch. Nearly a great finish. They just happen to trip him up, which is a rarity. First and seven, we give it to Woody, who bursts right at the middle for the touchdown. Extra point is good. It's 14-14. You think, okay, listen, we, we had two really bad drives, give us some big plays on defense. We had an offensive possession that we self-inflicted some wounds. It took a touchdown off the, full, the board, and we had nothing in that deal. But you look up, and it's a tie game. So you have weathered the storm. It's a tie game. Just need to get a stop here. And I kept telling my wife, I said, if we could ever get a lead, I think we're okay. If we could ever get the lead – I think we're okay. We never could. Never could. First and 25 after the uh, touchback. Rattler is complete to Tyshawn Russell for five. Uh, they run it to Joyner for two, brings up a third and three, a chance for us to get off the field. They give it to Xavier Leggett on, uh, you know, the, the jet sweep there and looks like, okay, well, first down. Nope, holding on Trey Knox, former Razorback. That makes it third and 13. And this is, again, we've got to get off the field here, guys. 
There's nowhere to go with the football, and Spencer Rudler tucks it and takes off and gets 25, just like Jaden Delara did, just like Jaden Daniels did. And you better believe when quarterbacks see some, some real estate in front of them against this defense, they're going to take off. Again, a chance. We talk about big plays in games. It's a huge play in the game. We ought to be able to get out the field with decent field position, but instead the draft continues. First and 10 now from the 47 is complete to Knox off the left side for eight. They give it to Anderson, who gets six up the middle. First and 10 now at our 38. Spencer Rattler rushes off right side. I believe, if memory serves me correct, that was a design quarterback run. Second and two, they run back to the right side for nine with Anderson. Brings up first and 10 at our 21. It's complete to Xavier Leggett for seven. Makes a manageable second and three. Mario Anderson nearly gets to the line to the game, but uh, Isaac Smith says no more. Third and one. Again, a chance for us to get off the field here, at least force a field goal. Mario Anderson, the big bruising bag, just kind of battles ahead for three. First and goal from our nine. Anderson off the right side for five. They go back to him in the middle for one. Brings up a third and three. We call timeout here. We call timeout, and uh, they give it to Joyner up the middle, and basically it's a scrum, and uh, he's pushed into the end zone. You got to get that kid down. Got to get him down. They decide to go for two for some reason, which was stupid, but they do, and uh, DeCarlos Nicholson bats it down. There also is a uh, penalty on the play uh, against South Carolina. We, we just kind of say, you know what, we'll decline the penalty and take the, uh, the play. 20 to 14, you thought, you know what, let's make them pay for that. And now all of a sudden, again, you start thinking, if we can find a way to get a touchdown here right before the half, take the lead into the half at Williams-Brice as badly as we've played at times, it's a good thing. And give Will Rogers and the Bulldog offense a lot of credit here for running two-minute offense with 38 seconds and coming away with points. We're complete to Justin Robinson on the out for 11. We go back across the middle to Tulu. In the first half, we targeted Tulu five times. This is the one time we didn't connect with him. Uh, pass probably could have been – the ball placement could have been a little bit better, but Stone Blanton uh, breaks it up. That's a mismatch all the way right there. You know, Tulu on a linebacker. That's just never going to work out in the defense's favor if we, if we throw the right pass here. Uh, second and 10, we're complete to Xavion for 13. It gets it across uh, near midfield. Now it's first and 10. We find Robinson again on the out for, uh, for 11. It's a first down. Of course, the clock stops under two minutes on a first down. First and 10 at their 40, and you start feeling good here. I, I didn't agree with this decision here. Uh, we throw the pass to Pittman, and maybe we're to set him for a field goal here. But uh, you throw the pass to Pittman. And uh, gets his four yards. They end up uh, – we call timeout here. I, I don't know what happened. They, I think it's listed. They call timeout. I think we call timeout. Uh, second and six, we attempt a 54-yarder. And uh, it's the illegal formation. We miss the kick. Comes up short. A nice draw from Kyle Ferry. Both of these kicks at the end of the half look like they were fading left. And both of them draw back right. Uh, on target. It's a little bit short here. But we get a second chance because of a five-yard penalty against South Carolina. And um, we make it. The kid's good, man. Kyle Ferry is good. All right, now 20-17 to 17 at the half. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just 
for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. All right, second half. And you feel like, okay, maybe we figure some things out. If we can get a stop here on this drive, all of a sudden, we take momentum back in this ballgame. I don't know what South Carolina saw at halftime. I don't know what adjustment they made, but they dialed up a play. Very first play of the half. It's a 75-yard touchdown to Xavier Leggett. Extra points, good. We're down 10 points. One play into the second half. So we have fought and scratched and clawed. And one play. One play. It's a 10-point game. Give State some credit. We wouldn't quit. We come out offensively and go to work. Uh, Will completes Avion for nine, which makes it second one. Will is sacked here for a loss of four. Brings up third and five. I'm sure South Carolina's thinking, here it is. We're about to get the kill shot. But instead, Will with a great completion to Jordan Mosley. First and ten. We find Tulu for 30 yards. Now we're deep inside South Carolina territory at their 21. Incomplete to Mosley. Uh, pass breakup by Alex Huntley here. Second and ten. We find Freddie Roberson. We were expecting a lot for Freddie this year. Hadn't had a whole lot, but a good catch here for 11 yards and a first down. Makes it first and 10 at the 10. State could have gotten a first down inside the one. We run the uh, the, the jet sweep with Tulu for nine yards. Gets down to the one. Second one, we give it to Woody, who gets nothing. And on third and one, Mike Wright comes in. We call timeout and talk about it. 
You had to get it in there. Zone read. Mike walks in untouched. Extra point is good. It's 27-24. And, you, again, you feel like, man, if we could just ever get the lead, we can win this football game. Defense does their part here. As bad as the first possession was in the second half, this one was equally as great. All right, first and 10. Anderson runs off left for three. We go, they go back to Anderson for, for two up the middle. Makes it third and five. And then Jed Johnson comes through un, unblocked and gets a sack of Spencer Rattler for a loss of 12. And you felt like right here the Bulldogs might just be feeling it. 51-yard punt from Kroger. Give him credit. Uh, Thomas returns it four yards. But 35-yard line, hey, we're, we're still winning the battle of field position. You get anything here, anything here, we're probably having a different conversation today. We, we don't. All right, so um, first and 10, Will is sacked for a loss of six. Just can't happen. Second and 16, we, we find two loop for 10, which makes a more manageable third and six. And then uh, we try to go to Xavion here, but it's broken up. And it's a 40-yard punt. They get a decent return here. I didn't see a block in the back. I saw some people on social media calling for a block in the back here on this play. I didn't see it. I didn't see one. I went back and looked at it. I haven't watched the game in its entirety, but I did go back and look at this. Uh, I didn't see didn't see anything here. 22 yards. And, uh, again, a chance for us to take momentum back, and we don't. However, the defense, again, we talked about, you know, the defense had had a very difficult first half, difficult start to the second quarter. Here we go. Sean Preston's back in the ball game after sitting out the first half, right? Makes his presence known here. Very first play from scrimmage. From the South Carolina 43, Joyner gets absolutely destroyed by Sean Preston. Basically flipped over, loses the football, and it's recovered by Buki Watson. Now all of a sudden, like, okay, here we go. Here we go. A chance to start in plus territory. We bring in Mike Wright, and Mike gets demolished for a loss of six. We asked for it. We asked for it. Right? Let's, let's not all have a revisionist history. We asked for it. I don't know if this is the series I would have done it when you have a chance to kind of, you know, retake momentum. You're in plus territory. And, again, you know, we can all – we get the gift of hindsight right here. But um, second and 16, uh, Riders back in the ballgame. We swing it out to Woody for five. Makes it third and 11. You think, man, this is tough. It's probably – in my mind, it's probably four down territory. And instead we hit Xavion for 21. First and 10 at their 24. We're feeling it, right? We're feeling it. Chance to go punch it in here. All right, we get it out to Woody for seven. A good gain on first down makes a manageable second and three. We swing it back out to Woody for four. Now it's a first down. First and 10 through 13. We have got to put this ball in the end zone. Woody goes off right side for four. I'm happy with that. Second and six. Rodgers takes off and then fumbles. Stone Blanton forces it, but Antonio Harmon gets back on it. Makes a third and two. Huge play in the ballgame. And you knew it when it happened. You knew it when it happened. Third and two. And we get, we get nothing. We bring Woody up the middle. Offensive line couldn't get any push. Nowhere for him to go. We get nothing. And I'm going to tell you this. When the game is on the line and you got to line up and get your offensive line to get some push and you can't get a yard or two, you're not going to win a football game. Emotional plays like this are what decide ball games. You go out here and shove these guys into the end zone, it's a different story today. 
But when you line up with your best back and your best play call and you get nothing on a drive like this, it's significant for the defense. All right, fourth and two, we end up kicking a field goal here. And uh, now the game is tied. Again, as bad as everything has gone at times, you've had some really good things happen too, especially on the offensive side of the football, and it's tied. And give the defense some credit. This third quarter, outside of the first play of the quarter, they've played really well. And you start thinking, okay, we're figuring some things out. This fourth quarter will be ours. South Carolina takes over at their 25 after the touchback. Anderson runs off right side for nothing. Rattler is incomplete to Trey Knox. Knox tied in. Uh, hurt us on a couple plays. First and 10 at their 40. They give it to Anderson off the left side for one. And then next thing you know, he finds uh, Xavier Leggett. Again, guy's a stud. And that runs out the quarter. It's 27-all headed to the fourth. And you start thinking here defensively, hey, if we can hold for a field goal, maybe we can go put one in the end zone, kind of get them off sequence a little bit and have them play in a little more urgency in the fourth quarter. False start for them after the first down on the first play of the fourth quarter makes it first and 15. I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe we're in good shape here. I know they're, they're behind the chains. I know they're at midfield, but nevertheless, he's complete to Anderson for 10. Second five, Rattler then runs off right side for 28. And if member serves me correct, that was his own replay. That was a significant play in the ballgame. We needed to go down and get two yards. We didn't. They needed to play to get the crowd back into it and put themselves in a position to take the lead again. They do. First and nine, Mario Anderson off left side for one. Rattler is in incomplete to Omega Blake. Third and eight, and we get a big sack here. Nathan Pickering just kept working, kept working, kept working, makes a play. Pick's having a good year. Loss of nine yards, forces a field goal attempt, but it's good. Very significant play. Again, defense needed to make a play. So, again, you look back here, second half defensively, we're actually you know, we're kind of holding our own a little bit here. You know, yeah, we gave up points here. They had the lead back. But after that big play that got a first and goal, you know, defense kind of bows up and forces a field goal try. So, again, chance for us here. And this is something where you defensively that um, – I mean, offensively, it's hard to be upset with the offense because I thought we got a, the, the bad end of a bad call here. Uh, we run off left side to, for Marks for six. Brings up a second and four. We're complete to two-loop for 11. It's first and 10 at their 42. We're about to go take the lead. That's how it feels. Will drops back to pass. And uh, he has hit as his arm is going forward. This is a terrible call. Yes, the guy got a hand on his arm. But Will's hand follows forward with the ball in his possession. It is an incomplete pass. However, they rule it on the field as a fumble. And then the call stands. I don't know how. A replay official could look at that and say, you know what, I just can't see enough. You, you can see if it's an empty hand or not. It was clearly a pass attempt with the ball in Will's possession. We got screwed here, period. And I won't hear any objections otherwise. I don't specifically know the rule about reestablishing on the interception, but this is a joke right here. This is an absolute joke. Absolute joke. And in many respects, it decided a ball game. South Carolina sends him victory here. Rattlers complete to Lewis for nine. Second one, they go to Mario Anderson for four. Moves to James, makes it first and goal at our nine. Deontay Anderson with a big tackle for no gain on first down. Second and nine, Mario Anderson runs off left side. And it's just basically a toss play, and we can't tackle. 
I don't understand it. And maybe we're deflated. Maybe we're feeling sorry for ourselves because of this bad call. Defense gets backed up, and this is where I thought we really didn't play well. And then Crumbity gets flagged for 15 yards. It's just a bad sequence for us. And now we're down 10 with less than 10 minutes to play. And the game is over. Let's just be honest. At this point, the game is over. Now, defense got to make plays. Offense got to make plays. However, there, are, there comes a time in ball games when officials have to make decisions that impact ball games. They made a poor call here. And for anybody to suggest otherwise, you're just being biased. And to give, I'll give you, we'll talk about the Alabama Ole Miss game a little bit later. But you see that play where uh, Jackson Dart was not only face masked, but targeted. <laughs> no flag. I don't understand. I don't. And I even tweeted out there, I don't know why we have replay. What's the point? If you can't get the calls right, I mean, it's like the reason you have replay is because maybe you get a bad call in the field. And so it gives you the ability to stop a game, go back and look at a replay, and hey, make sure we get it right. And then you don't get it right. Whoever the replay official was in this ball game should be docked his game check. All right. State takes over to R16. The one time I don't kick it through the end zone. And Xavier um, Thomas gets it out to the 16-yard line. So first and 10 at R16. We're incomplete to Xavier. Uh, Will kind of had to throw this ball with uh, some urgency. Second and 10. We're complete to, uh, in, excuse me, incomplete to Justin Robinson. An obvious P.I. here. They flag him for it. Of course, you know, it's, it's a 10-point ball game, right? 10-point ball game. You got to call that. First and 10 now, we uh, we let Jeffrey Pittman carry it. It's a two-yard loss, which makes it second 12 back at our 29. We swing it out to Pittman for nine yards. He's proven to be a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. Makes it third and three. We're incomplete to Xavion. Fourth and three, you got to go. You got to go. You're basically halfway through the fourth quarter. You're down 10. And the way they've been running the football, which is a bit of a surprise, you got to get it done. All right, fourth and three. Uh, pass complete to Justin Robinson for 15 for the first down. And uh, first and 10, Will is in sack for a loss of six. Second and 16, we're incomplete to Tulu. Alex Huntley with a PBU there. Third and 16, complete to Harmon for nine. And you got to go, right? You got to go. You're, you're in plus territory. You got to get something done here. Uh, we're incomplete to Justin Robinson. And really, I don't, I don't know what we did here. I don't know if somebody ran the wrong route or Will had the wrong read. But either way, this was not a competitive play. South Carolina takes over at their 44 with six minutes to go and a 10-point lead. They ought to be able to just kind of salt most of this thing away. It didn't work out quite as well as they had hoped. Uh, first and 10, it's uh, a run for three for Anderson. Second and seven, they're incomplete to Knox. And I thought to myself, why are you throwing the football here? Third and seven, Spindler Rattler is sacked for a one-yard loss. We call timeout, 507. Again, great job by the defense here. Kai Kroger punt 48 yards. Thomas returns for 12 out to the MSU 18. Then they flag us for holding. So we're backed up here uh, to our, our three. Crazy. All right, first and 10. And give Will and these guys credit. It's like, hey, we got to get something. You know, we got to get some points here. And, yeah, we got to drive a long way to get it done. And we do. We get it out to Woody. No gain here. But second and 10, we find Justin Robinson for 15. Take a shot to Mosley down the field. Probably should have caught this ball. The ball was a little bit low. I'm not disputing that, but Georgia's got to make this play here. All right, second and 10. We're complete to Xavier on for seven. Third and three. We find Justin Robinson for 29. 
Now it's first and 10 at the USC 46. We're incomplete to Mosley. Second and 10, we're uh, incomplete to Freddie Roberson. Pass break up there by those guys. I think that was a bad down ball. Third and 10, incomplete to Mosley again. Fourth and 10, we have to go. We do. We hit it to Creed Whitmore. Nice to see that kid again. Uh, 11 plays to the South Carolina 35, first down. Incomplete to Robinson. Complete to Creed for six. And then third and four, we're incomplete to Tulu. So we're going to kick a field goal. And and how great is it to have a kid like Kyle Fair? You got to get a, you'd like to get a touchdown here, but you got to get something. You got to come away with something and extend the game. We make a 47 yard field goal. And then we go for the onside kick and we don't get it. And they, uh, they run the clock out. And so we lose 37 30. And again, def- I, I didn't think, you know, it, it, at the time, I was like, you know, we're playing so bad defensively. When you start to break it down and you look at things, you know, over the course of a ball game, and that second half, defensively, we showed up. We did. And then that stupid turnover gives them the short end of the field. I think we started pouting a little bit, feeling sorry for ourselves, and said, here we go again. And you know what? Then here we went again. All right, look at individual numbers here. We're Rodgers, 30 of 48 for 487 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. One of his better games in the uniform. I think we'd be fair when we said that. A lot of people have, uh, you know, really been critical of Will to the point that some of it's just been downright cruel. We got to throw the football more. We did. Thought Will made some throws down the field he didn't ordinarily make. I thought Will Rodgers had a big ball game. You can say what you want to about Will Rodgers. With the one exception of him throwing that interception that shouldn't have happened. And we'll tell you the same thing. We tried to force the action there to win anything there. Discretion is bare to part of valor. You throw that ball away, maybe a different ball game. Maybe. But again, big game for Will. Uh, Woody Marks, uh, 12 carries for 27 yards. That's not going to get it done. That's not about Woody. That's about the offensive line. And the fact that we're not playing better on the offensive line is, uh, is a concern. We'll get sacked three times in a ball game. Tula Griffin, big night for him. Seven catches, 256 yards, a new school record. And uh, I believe I saw that he was the first player in the SEC since 2021 to have 200 yards and a half. Had some opportunities in the second half. We just, you know, South Carolina did their best to take him away from us. That's why guys like Jordan Mosley got to step up. Justin Robinson, six carry, six catches for 91 yards. Xavier Thomas, five for 56. Uh, defensively, Jet led us with 14 tackles. Uh, Nathan Pickering told you he's having a good year. Eight tackles, two sacks in the ballgame. Boogie Watson with five. Uh, Jordan Morant uh, started in place of Sean Preston, had five. Sean only a half of action, got four. Marcus Banks had four. Uh, but the secondary, our corner play has been, has been bad. Let's just call it for what it is. Corner play has not been nearly as good as it has been. He said, but, Steve, you know, you, you lose Emmanuel Forbes. I, I get it. But I also understand, while we may not have another first-round draft pick back there, we should have an, an average to above-average SEC corner. Is that a fair characterization? Shouldn't we have that? We should. You know, we've been spoiled for the last couple of years, last few years, of Martin Emerson and Emmanuel Forbes, but um, I don't think it's wrong to expect us to get better play. Uh, Spencer Rattler, 18-20. And let's be honest about these two incompletions, and this is the biggest concern that I have about all of this. We can't get out the field when they throw the football. Look at what happened last week with Jaden Daniels. Set a new SEC record for completion percentage in a ball game, and he threw the football 35 times. Spencer Rattler, 18 of 20. The first incompletion came because DeCarlos Nicholson held. Let's just be honest about it. Yes, it's an incompletion. They very easily could have flagged DeCarlos, and I love Carlos. I do. 
And, you know, the hole is better than giving up touchdown. But that's the one incompletion. That's the first incompletion. The second one was a drop. A wide open receiver underneath. Rather leads him a little bit too much, but a catch should be made. So the two incompletions we have are not anything that we forced. That's what concerns me more than anything about this team. Anything. We are making quarterbacks look so incredibly efficient because we can't cover. And that's the thing. You bring in Zach Arnett, you know, of course you bring him in as a Rocky Long disciple. And I'm I'm a believer in Zach. I'm not in any way being critical of Zach. But you bring him in because his calling card is defense. We are not playing winning defense right now. And you say, well, you know what, Steve? You know, promoted Matt Brock. I I get it. But, Zach, you got to do what you got to do. You do. I'm not blaming Matt. I'm not blaming Darcel. I'm not blaming uh, Dewhurst. I'm blaming the collective. Everybody involved in this, and I don't mean the Bulldog initiative, Everybody involved, from the head coach to the defensive coordinator to the guys that coach those players uh, to the trainers, the GAs, everybody involved in this, everybody is at fault here. You've got to figure this out. We have got to defend the pass better. You can say, well, Steve, it's about pass rush. It doesn't matter. I don't care what the excuse is. I don't care what the reasons are. I don't care how you rationalize it or attempt to justify it. That has got to get fixed, period. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. A lot of people out there kind of vying for your business. And here's the thing. This is not a tidy undertaking. This is your mortgage. This is your home. What are you looking to buy a home, perhaps refinance? I don't know your needs. Blair can help navigate through the labyrinth of underwriting because he's been doing this 22 years. Give Blair a text or call directly at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. And it seems like every week I'm getting an update. New boneyard loan approved. New boneyard loan closed. And that's what it's all about, CloseWithBlair.com. Speak to him, too, if you're looking to maybe help your young person get established with some adult credit and have the dream of home ownership. You know what it's like. It's difficult. It's difficult. And you can help them. Blair can uh, talk you through that, whether you've got a young person getting married or heading off to college and you want to help them get a head start at life. Blair can handle that for you. He'll give you all the details. Hit him up today at closewithblair.com. All right. So uh, on the drive back yesterday, got a few hours sleep, laid down, and I uh, went to bed about 1 o'clock, got up around uh, 5.30, 6 o'clock, and drove home and uh, listened to some Dayline podcasts, but also listened to some of uh, my favorite albums. And it hit me, you know what? Some of my favorite songs on some of my favorite albums were not singles. You know, I'm from the 1900s. You know, when we didn't just look for single-serving musical acts, right? There are a lot of people It's like, hey, I love that song. And, you know, when I love a song, I figured the people that wrote it might have some more songs that I might love. And plus, back in those days, you know, you get out and you go cut grass and, uh, you know, maybe you get 20 bucks and you go buy yourself a tape. We used to have cassettes before we had CDs. We did. I mean, I grew up in an era where, you know, we had eight tracks. 
console, console stereos, right? Uh, different day and time. But it wasn't like it is today where you, you, know, you can go put a playlist together on Apple Music of uh, 100 artists and never spend a dime supporting them. I know, I know. Listen, I got Apple Music too, right? And, I, and it's one of the greatest inventions in the world. And it's also uh, you know, taking a lot of juice out of the rock star life because people are having a tour and tour and tour and sell T-shirts and merch and things like that just to try to keep the show on the road. But back in those days when you bought an album, you listened to the album. You didn't just listen to the single. You got to know so many other songs. You go to you know go to school one day and it's like, hey, did you hear the new Skid Row album? Well, I did. I did. What's your favorite song on the album? More times than not, it will be something completely different than they played on the radio. So here we go. Here are some deep cuts from some of my favorite albums. I wouldn't say these are my 10 favorite albums, but they are 10 albums probably among my favorites. So let's start. Number 10, Alice in Chains. I have all I have loved Alice in Chains from the very first day that I saw Man in a Box video on MTV. It was completely different. And as some other people were like, oh, they're a satanic band. They're, no, they weren't any of those things. They weren't. And sometimes I listen to Lane Staley's voice and it makes me sad. But many of you would say, you know what, hey, Dirt is an iconic album. It absolutely is, but it's not my favorite Alice in Chains album. It is one of my favorite albums, but my favorite Alice in Chains album is Facelift. I think from start to finish, it is superior to Dirt. Now, my favorite songs from Alice in Chains are on Dirt, but I think there is some filler on the album. I'm just going to say it for what it is. And maybe it's because of the fact that when, when uh, Facelift came out in 1990, before Nirvana was even a band, um, many of you didn't listen to the whole album. But then all of a sudden, you, you've got the Dirt album, and you know, with them bones and all that good stuff. But uh, my favorite deep track, of course, I love Man in the Box and Bleed the Freak and We Die Young and all that stuff. But one of my favorite songs on the album is the song, the last song on the album is called Real Thing. And uh, it's about addiction. And uh, kind of takes kind of a sophomoric view of uh, rehab and drug treatment and things like that. Like the part where he says, uh, you know, I grew up and went into rehab. You know, those doctors never did me no good. They said, son, we're going to make you a new man. I said, thank you very much. Can I borrow 50 bucks? Yeah. So I, I, I dig the track. I do. Number nine, off the Crazy World album. And you may know, you know, everybody knows, you know, Wind of Change and some of those great songs on there. A lot of great, great songs on that album. One of my favorites, probably my favorite deep track on the album, and it's actually been on this on, on the show before. It's Don't Believe Her from the Scorps. Number nine on your list, Don't Believe Her from the Scorpions. Number eight, there's always the great debate among uh, 80s metal enthusiasts about, hey, which is the better album, Tooth and Nail or Under Lock and Key from Dokken? I love them both. I do. I love Breaking the Change too. But my favorite Dokken album is Neither. Of those two. And it's not even breaking the chains. It's Back for the Attack, which I think may be George Lynch's best work with Dokken from start to finish. And you'd expect that, you know, as bands begin to mature, they get better equipment, they get uh, a little better at playing their instruments. Songwriting gets better. But uh, Back for the Attack, without a doubt, is my favorite Dokken album. I can listen to it from start to finish. When I travel, it's one of the things I do. I just put on albums that I don't have to skip around because I'm driving 
But my favorite deep track on Back for the Attack is a great track. The second track on the first side of this album, Prisoner. Love it. I love the guitar riff. Love everything about it. Number seven. We're going to go with Ozzy here. Now, you guys know my feelings about this. The Jackie Lee years were the best Ozzy years. I think that was the pinnacle of his career. That's not to say that he didn't have great material with Randy Rhodes. He did. Uh, it's not to say that he didn't have great material with Zach Wilde. He did. Gus G going down the line. Ozzy is an iconic performer that's always surrounded himself with amazing musicians. But the pinnacle of the Ozzy Osbourne experience happened when Jakey e. Lee was a guitar player. That's just, that's, in my estimation, that's as real as it is. A lot of people would say, you know what, Steve, uh, I know you're going to go bark at the moon. You're wrong. You're wrong. My favorite Ozzy album is The Ultimate Sin. And I've almost gotten that uh, album cover as a tattoo. I've almost done it. At least the, uh, the model is a pinup. I haven't done it yet. Maybe I will. But uh, it's in my Twitter bio. And uh, Jake E. Lee, I read an interview with Jake one time, and uh, Jake said he, of all the work that he did, you know, Jake wrote Bark at the Moon. Uh, Jake was also a guitar player in Rat before uh, he joined Ozzy. But uh, he said that some of his finest work was Killer of Giants. I absolutely love the song Killer of Giants. Again, it's in my Twitter bio, and uh, most people never notice that kind of stuff. I don't know why, but uh, it's significant. But Killer of Giants from Ozzy is your number seven track. Number six, Rat. Now, the homie Sam Denton will tell you Rat's the best rock band of all time. I think Stephen Piercy has the most unrecognizable and distinguishable voices in 80s rock. Steven's still out there playing, still having good shows. Um, he's got an autobiography he's written that uh, he wants way too much money for. I not bought it yet. I got like four books I got to read, including Anthony Kiedis' Scar Tissue. I got to read that. Got a lot of stuff I got to read now that I'm done writing for a while. But uh, the best, the best rat album, and there are a bunch of great ones, don't get me wrong. But it's got to be out of the cellar, right? It's an iconic album from the 80s. And uh, everybody knows Round and Round. My favorite deep track on this album. And I don't know that this is a song they play live very often. But I saw them play it live at the Texas Club with Warrant years ago when Jizzy Pearl was a singer. And it's Lack of Communication. That was the lead song on the second side of the cassette. I used to have this theory that usually the, 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 the song, the first song on the second side was one of the stronger songs, even if it wasn't a single. But that's one of them for me, Lack of Communication from Rats Out of the Cellar. Number five, to get a little more modern with you guys, this is one of my favorite albums of all time. I was recently asked uh, on an interview if I went to a desert island, uh, what modern rock album would be, if I only had one, what album would it be? And it would be this one. It would be Alter Bridge's Blackbird. I absolutely love the album, start to finish. Again, no skips. It's great. My favorite deep cut on this album, and this is the one with Watch Over You, which is, in my estimation, one of the greatest songs of all time, is the great song, Brand New Start. It's, uh, you know, been many times in my life I've had to make a new start. And I love the song. It is very, 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 very relatable to people. Uh, I think Miles Kennedy's on top of his game. Great track. Number four, uh, it's Shine Down. And what's interesting, too, you know, uh, Shinedown's A&R uh, rep with Atlantic Records, his name is Steve Robertson. And I have had some emails and messages on social media over the years where people have mistakenly 
for Shinedown's A&R guy. It's crazy. And I guess, you know, on 247, you know, that's I've had the Junkies for Fame uh, single cover off of um, – as my AVI, as we call it these days, my profile picture on 247 for years, even dating back to the Scout days, is the uh, Junkies for Fame uh, album. But uh, off the uh, Sound of Madness album, which I think is the quintessential Shinedown album, it is, my, in my opinion, the best Shinedown album. I don't think it's close either. Even though I love Leave a Whisper, I do. But uh, probably my favorite deep track on that one is uh, Cyanide Sweet Tooth Suicide. And there is some phrasing and writing in that uh, lyrical content that is next level. There's one part where, um, in the second verse, where Brent sings, uh, she's snorting coke in through a suicide note. And I think, well, you know, even though that is uh, not the kind of lifestyle we want to uh, promote on the barnyard, I think the phrasing there is uh, shows a real desperation. I think it's excellent writing, whether you uh, support it or not. Number three, another album that's very, very instrumental to me in my life. And when you read uh, the new book, When the Bottom Falls, you can pre-order at uh, whenthebottomfalls.com. We should have a release date this week. Uh, so it's going to be next month for sure, as I share with you guys. But um, well, it'll at least be October. But um, once I know, I'll tell you. Uh, hopefully it doesn't leak into November. But um, I wrote that book in 27 days, so I did my part. Uh, but there's a song on that album that is very, very important to me in my life, and you're gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna read about that in the book. And uh, it's we talked about George Lynch earlier. George Lynch uh, had a bit of a side project called Lynch Mob. They no longer perform under the name Lynch Mob because they think that there is a negative connotation, even though his name is George Lynch. And so I get it. I understand he's being, uh, you know, politically correct and uh, trying to be, uh, you know, trying to be a good dude. Uh, but uh, Lynch Mob's Wicked Sensation is one of my favorite albums of all time. When people ask me, hey, Steve, recommend an album that maybe I don't know as well. This is the one I always give them. If you like classic 80s rock, and I mean rock, not just not the not the temperamental stuff, not the teased blue hair, lavender tights. 80s metal. I mean, you want real rock? I'm going to give you Lynch Mob's Wicked Sensation. I love that album from start to finish. And uh, my son, Ani, is named after the singer in Lynch Mob. He pronounces it Oni. We pronounce it Ani. Uh, but Ani Robertson wrote this great song that um, was a very big part of my recovery in the beginning. And that's one of the reasons that my son, Ani, is named after the singer of this band. And it's because of this song. It's Lynch Mob's Bed of Roses. A lot of people know Wicked Sensation, River of Love, and maybe uh, um, Rain was one. It was kind of a peripheral single late. Through These Eyes, another great one. But uh, Bed of Roses from Lynch Mob, it's, uh, it's on the soundtrack of my life, and it's been on this show before. Number two, and this is the song that kind of gave me the idea yesterday. Of course, Roy's always got a few things lined up for us, but uh, I decided to call an audible today. Omaha, Omaha. But it's from Tesla's uh, Mechanical Resonance album, the debut album. I love that album. And it's a thing that I begin to, sometimes I question myself. The Great Radio Controversy might actually be my favorite Tesla album. But it's so close. Like some days you'll ask me and I may tell you Mechanical Resonance is my favorite. And I think a lot of it too is because they were, they were, they were different. It's a rock and roll band. They were different than many of their contemporaries. They kind of got unfairly judged and maligned by many people who said that they were a hairband. They're absolutely not a hairband. 
But um, probably, again, one of those songs, when I first got sober, this song took on a new meaning for me. It did. And there were some days when I would get up and over a cup of coffee, I would put this on and just kind of start my day with it. And uh, yesterday it hit me. I was like, you know, a while back somebody asked me about, how about top 10 inspirational songs? And, and maybe we'll get to that at some point. It's difficult for me because, you know, life changes so much, right? And my interests change. But this is a song that has been timeless in my life. And uh, it's, it's, again, it's off mechanic, mechanical resonance. It's the song Getting Better. You know, it's like, and, and Jeff so despondent and began that song, you know, Fallen Rain Outside My Window. But all I know is it's getting better every day. It's getting better. It is. And soon the sun will shine through my window. When it's going to come, I, I can't say. But all I know, it's just getting better every day. I get chills even thinking about that, man. There were so many times in my life, especially when I was new in recovery, I didn't have what I wanted. I didn't, but I was sober. I was working hard every day. I had this beautiful blonde that loved me. And uh, she's still with me all these years later. But there were so many times I had some dreams, I had so many things I wanted to do in life and things that I wanted to accomplish. And, and I knew that uh, these days would come in some respect. And so I listened to that song. As all I know, it's getting better every day. And I would encourage you, if you're in a bad place, maybe consider doing that. Maybe on your way to work or maybe in your workout session, add the song Getting Better to your playlist. Because I'm, I'm a firm believer in this, man. I believe that your brain is like the computer, right? You garbage in, garbage out, you know? And I mean, how many to, think about this, okay? Just real quickly before we get to number one. You know, like when I ran around and uh, I was involved in a lot of negative things, you know, the soundtrack of my life kind of mirrored and championed those causes, right? I know a lot of people that are very devout Christians and all they listen to is Christian music because they're like, you know what? This is who I am. It's what I enjoy. And you know what? God bless you for it, right? And uh, there are other people out there that, uh, you know, glamorize, uh, you know, <laughs> drugs and violence in their life, and their musical choice reflects that. And you said, Steve, it's not that deep. It's just a song. Hey, listen, I still listen to NWA too, okay? That doesn't mean that I don't respect authority. I do. Uh, but, but nevertheless, I mean, and think about this. I mean, <laughs> I've seen it play out so many times. You know, it's like... Uh, all of a sudden, when um, you know, your girl starts listening to uh, Billie Eilish and all these breakup songs and things like that, there's a good chance she's going to be your, your ex-girlfriend sooner rather than later. Because our, our music often matches our mood. So there you go. So listen to stuff that's uplifting. Number one, my favorite album from my favorite band of all time. It's got to be the Pet Shop Boys. No, it's not the Pet Shop Boys. No, it's not. And it's not uh, Florida Georgia Line or, or, or any of that or Glass Tiger. It's none of that. It's Motley. The best Motley album, in my estimation, is the one that really got me into the band. It's Shout at the Devil. And it's Shout at, not for, not with, not in support of, so don't get it twisted. I fought that battle for 40 years now. But uh, my favorite deep track on Shout at the Devil... Without a doubt. And I love them all because every song felt like a single, right? Because, again, we only had a... You might get a new tape every couple of months when you were a kid. So you had to get to know all those songs. This one is still with me. I still jam it. And uh, it's Knock em Dead Kid. Knock em Dead Kid from Shout the Devil. That's your number one track today. Ten deep cuts from some of my favorite albums. So a little bit of a personal flair there. So I uh, appreciate Blair as always. Uh, for uh, putting all this together. And then Roy Samanti, of course, for putting the list together. And Roy's like, hey, we're not going to do the Shane Beamer thing. We'll get back to that at some point. I just, you know, 
I don't know. I, I didn't have time to do it this weekend. It just kind of felt weird to come back and you know recognize Shane Beamer's favorite artist when we're moving on to uh, play Alabama. So uh, later this week, we'll do uh, a Nick Saban list. So Shane, you know, may not get his due. I don't know. Maybe we circle back to Darius Rucker. Uh, maybe during the open date. Maybe that give us a chance to kind of get caught up there. But uh, there you go. Again, top ten deep cuts from some of my favorite albums of all time. Not necessarily my favorite albums, because I know I'm going to get messed as I always do. How could you not include Let's Up on 4? And, you know, what about, you know, uh, Van Halen 1? And what about Kiss, you know, Destroyer? Those are all part of my favorite albums, too. They are. They just didn't fit what I wanted to talk about today. So don't, it's okay. It's okay. You know, I could make the uh, the case for Holy Diver, too, from Dio. So, but I'm in it, man. I'm in it to win it. So there you go. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out, let us know. Best way to do that is hit Roy up on Twitter uh, or on any form of social media at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. I do have people that find me on Facebook and on Gene's page that send their ideas to me, and I forward them to Roy for safekeeping. But uh, I'm on all forms of social media, at Scout Steve R. And again, thanks so much for your support of the top 10 list, low these many years. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark, a Starkvilleian institution. I love Campus Bookmark, so should you. Uh, be sure and check them out next time you're in town. If you can't make it to town or perhaps game day is not a good shopping day for you, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a Lawyer Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Always wrap the maroon and white whenever you can, especially with Maroon Fridays and things like that. The season's still young. We're just four games in. Don't give up on uh, your new Mississippi State merch because, you know, our loyalty to Mississippi State is not dependent on one season or one sport. And, uh, so don't get too down in the mouth. Continue to be a proud Bulldog. And Campus Bookmark can help, out, help, help you outfit your, your family, your home, your RV, your vehicle, your office, your pets, whatever you need. Uh, they can help you with every bit of that. CampusBookmark.net. All right, let's take a look around the Southeastern Conference. Let's see how the weekend went. Most of our picks worked out pretty good. Not all of them, but most of them. And uh, I believe in Rod uh, Walker's 10 picks, I went 7-3. and three. I think it's the first winning week I've had this week. It's been a, been a weird, weird, weird season. I love chaos in college football as long as we're not involved. But let's look back here. Texas A&M, 27-10 winners at home against Auburn. That pretty much went to script. Auburn just not quite where they expected to be or hoped to be at offense. It's first year. You know, on a freeze. But, uh, you know, A&M kind of, you know, probably should have put Auburn away early in the ball game, but Auburn just kept finding a way to stay in it. Uh, Kentucky, 45-28 winners over Vanderbilt. And, again, I think Vanderbilt's done winning games this year. I don't know how you feel. I think they're going to have a tough time. Uh, Alabama, 24-10 winners over Ole Miss. And, again, this went about how we expected. This Ole Miss offense is uh, – you know, not what it has been. And uh, listen, let's be fair, right? That's not to say they're a bad team. But they're not the team that some people want them to be. I know you look up and it's 7-3 and it's 7-6 at the break. In the third quarter, Alabama began to kind of exert themselves. Ole Miss does not score another touchdown after the first one. So, you, I mean, you, you kind of get it going here, you know. And uh, next thing you know, 
you don't score again. You don't see the end zone the rest of the game. That's a tough deal. But uh, second half was all tied as they, uh, they walk away 18-3 to in the second half. But give Ole Miss some credit. You expected it to be a, uh, a competitive game, and it was. They go back to Milra, who was 17-21. We're going to see him this week. And uh, I'm curious to see what we do. This is a mobile quarterback, again, that passing sometimes is a little bit of a, an issue for him. But we have allowed so much rushing yards for quarterbacks in an opportune moments. Uh, I think Milrow's probably excited to play us. Uh, McClellan goes for over 100 in the ballgame. Quinchon Judkins, they just haven't been able to get him healthy yet. A lot of people are like, well, you know, he's, he's, he's having a sophomore slump. He's hurt, okay? Let's just kind of call it for what it is. Uh, and it's a rib injury, too. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've ever had one of those. Uh, I'm, I'm a guy that's had cracked ribs before, and it's difficult to even breathe and get up and move around to go to the kitchen. I can't begin to imagine, even as great a shape as that young man is in, having to play Southeastern Conference football with a rib injury. It's tough. So let's be fair about that. I mean, yeah, he's not having the year they need him to have, but he's hurt. That's part of the deal. Jackson Dart, 20 of 35 in a ball game for 244 yards. Average depth of target is seven yards. Uh, no touchdowns and one interception. But, um, yeah, this is an Ole Miss team that the schedule's about to really get tough for them. This was their chance. But, uh, I, you know, I expected Alabama to win this ball game. I think most people did. I know some Ole Miss people were, were, were rooting hard, and I think they're being uh, maybe a little bit too uh, unrealistic these days. You know, I've read some things that, uh, you know, people are talking about how special this Ole Miss team is. I, I, I think they're a, a, a good SEC team. I don't think they're special in any way whatsoever. Uh, Tennessee, 45-14 winners over Texas San Antonio. Pretty much went to script here. I don't know what's going on with that Tennessee team. They're just kind of herky-jerky at times. Florida really got after them last week. LSU and Arkansas, more points than I expected to be scored, but it went down how I expected to go down as far as LSU winning a tight ball game. But, uh, you know, you saw how, how great the LSU defense was against us, and uh, Arkansas was able to pass protect, and K.J. Jefferson a big game. But 34-31 winners, LSU. Isn't it weird the last three years between these two, two teams, it's been a three-point game? That's weird. I mean, it really is. And Arkansas probably feels like they should have won this ball game. But, uh, again, Arkansas team that, um, you know, maybe as good as they've been, and I said that from the beginning of the year, I thought they would be a team that would finish 6th uh, or 7th in the West. For initially picked them 7th and then bumped them up to 6th. You know, I think after four games, some people would suggest we're probably last. But Arkansas now 2-2, two and 2-2, two, two and 0-1 two, and one in the SEC. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how things unfold here in the weeks to come for them. But, um, you know, they got to get some people healthy too. You know, Rocket's still not where he needs to be, and uh, you hate that. You know, hope he makes a full recovery the week after they play us. Uh, Florida, 22-7 winners over Charlotte. What, what, is this what, – what, what? How do you only score 22? And maybe they were hanging over a little bit after the win of Tennessee – and, uh, you know, give Billy and the guys some credit that they're already a game ahead of schedule. But 22-7, to you're happy to get the dub, but they did not look impressive. Uh, UAB at Georgia, that game was tied early in the ballgame. And, of course, you expect, the, you know, the difference in, the, you know, the talent to, to take, a, take hold at some point. Talent eventually shows up. And, you know, this was an interesting game. It's 14-14. It's 14-14. Excuse me, 14-7. And then um, 
Georgia kind of put them in the rearview mirror. But uh, it was a game for a bit. And uh, UAB now 1-3, Georgia 4-0. and But they have not looked uh, invincible. And a new quarterback, you expect some change. But uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Missouri beats Memphis 34-7. We thought that would be a a tight ball game it was. Missouri does come out on top there. And then, of course, South Carolina beats Mississippi State. 37-30. to 30. Do we have to say it again? Unfortunately, we do. Let's look ahead to this week. We'll give you a quick look here. Of course, we'll preview all these games on uh, Friday show. We didn't get a chance to, uh, to have the weekend show, even though we did uh, what we normally do on Fridays on Wednesday. But um, nevertheless, Florida at Kentucky. That could be a dicey game, considering how Florida has played so poorly on offense. The Kentucky offense hasn't been a lead. Big game last week. A&M and Arkansas, of course, that's been a lot of fun. That's been Jerry World. That's fun. And you'll get a chance to watch that game. It's 11 a.m. game on the SEC Network. Your 2.30 ball game on CBS is Georgia at Auburn. Missouri is at Vanderbilt. Can Missouri extend the winning streak? Missouri's now ranked. Did you realize that? Missouri now 23rd in the country. And they ought to be able to go get them a dub this week. You know, I don't, I don't you know, Missouri's 4-0. And I don't know that many people had them winning more than four or five games. I didn't see it, and I still don't. I think the schedule will get more difficult. But uh, I wouldn't count out Missouri upsetting somebody. Uh, LSU is at Ole Miss. South Carolina is at uh, Tennessee. And, of course, Alabama, Mississippi State. It'll be 8 p.m. Central time. Uh, the LSU at Ole Miss game will be awfully interesting. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I want to play LSU after a game like that. I don't. And, uh, again, I think there's probably some some Ole Miss folks that are kind of doubting that offense. And, again, I, I would encourage you, those, those of you listening to the show, let's be fair to uh, Quinshot Judkins, man. I mean, think, well, you know, we've got this, we've got that. I, I get it. I get it. You really thought you were – as good as the 73-7 game against Mercer suggested? You really thought that? No, no. I mean, you hadn't played anybody yet. And the first time you play an Alabama team that many people are doubting, you get beat by two touchdowns, you score 10 points. It's, I, I suspect it's going to be a tough week. I do. And then, like, the next week it's Arkansas. Ugh. The way they run the football. Teams that run the football are going to give Ole Miss trouble. And then uh, Auburn, of course, you know, that'll be – that's at Auburn – they're going, to be, they're going to be jacked up for that one. I'm just telling you, Auburn's going to want Ole Miss a lot more than Ole Miss wants Auburn. But uh, interesting stretch before they get to the uh, rivalry game with Vanderbilt on the 28th to, uh, to uh, close out the month of October. So it's going to be an interesting little stretch here. Of course, uh, you know, Ole Miss gets the bye week before Auburn. But I think this Ole Miss-LSU game, I think there's a good chance it goes like last year did. I think Jaden Daniels got a big game against Ole Miss. Uh, but, yeah, that's that kind of the preview of uh, the weekend, and we'll get a little more in-depth with that later in the week, as you guys know. But, uh, again, kind of looking ahead, that's where we are. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friends, uh, you know, International Auction. We talked about this here recently, internationalauctionllc.com. Be sure and check it out. How would you like to be neighbors with Mississippi State? You can be. Very, very, very amazing and beautiful places. Uh, it's going to be an auction coming up here, and it's so interesting to me to look at all this stuff. It's got 156 acres. It's all under development. You know, you can do what you want to, whether it be, you know, a multifamily property, or perhaps you want to get out there and just kind of live in the sticks and you live out on some water. <laughs> Guys, you got 156 plus 
acres divided into five tracks here. So we're going to have an auction Thursday, October the 12th. And you know, you need to get some information before then. If you're in town this weekend for the ball game, before you leave town on Sunday, let me encourage you, go to the showing. They're going to be at 2 Sterling Drive. That's S-T-I-R-L-N-I-G. Sterling, S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G Drive, Mississippi. Put that in your GPS. You go up, you know, you t- go up past the uh, fast break there on uh, 182, and before you get on 82, you take that right there, and uh, just follow GPS the rest of the way, guys. There's going to be a showing this Sunday, this Sunday, from 10 to 2. That's great, right? You can go by, have breakfast, run by, and uh, check this property out. And there's no zoning out there. And one of the best things, too, guys, the infrastructure is already there. Plumbing, electricity, everything. It's not like you're buying a pasture and kind of starting from scratch. Sewer, water, electricity, everything's in place. But, man, I tell you what, it's like a hidden oasis out there, guys. There's five lakes out there. Five. And maybe you thought, you know what, Steve, I always want to retire in Starkville. I'd love to be five minutes away from Duty Noble Field and Davis Wade Stadium. I'd love for everybody to be able to come stay with us. And maybe you build a big ranch house out there. I don't know what you want to do. That's the thing, though. There's no zoning out there. You can do what you want. You can build yourself a log cabin. You can build a mansion. I don't care. Build a dome house. I just think to myself, how cool would it be to be that close to Mississippi State, but also be kind of so far removed from the hustle and bustle of society? It's a great deal. You're going to want to get more information. Dial 1-888-861-0999. You got to pay a deposit to bid, $25,000 bid for the entirety that you deposit, and then 10000 per track. Of course, the checks are returned to unsuccessful bidders, but they have a place at the bidding table. Uh, you got to make a deposit. It's going to be Thursday, October the 12th. And so you need to do your due diligence kind of in advance of that. You'll have uh, three other opportunities. This weekend, and then next weekend, and then the Wednesday before the auction, you'll have a chance. All of those are going to be set up, and again, 10 to 2 uh, this Sunday, next Sunday, and then Wednesday, October the 11th. So act now to get more information. I have been out there and toured the property with the owners. It is absolutely exquisite. It is amazing out there. Now, you don't take my word for it. Again, go see it for yourself. But again, that's internationalauctionllc.com. And again, call them. You got questions, just call them, 888-861-0999. If you're moving to Starkville, I don't know why you could choose anything better than this or how you could. All right, baseball. A lot of people have been wondering, you know, what's the, you know, hey, I've been kind of up and down about football. What's happening with baseball? But here's the deal. Uh, Nate Dome, great, great outing over the weekend. Uh, maybe you kept up, maybe you didn't. But uh, really, really great outing for Nate. Nate Dome, our Slim Shady homeboy. His third start of the fall, his best one. I didn't get a chance to get out there. I was out of town. But, guys, he was phenomenal for three innings. Went out there for three innings and was nine for nine, a, a string of strikeouts here. Uh, Gerangelo pitched for the other team, also went three innings. Uh, they leave. It's, a, a, I guess, a one nothing ball game. Uh, wasn't Nate? It was Gerangelo that gave up a little trouble there, uh, but again, one to nothing. And uh, we need all those guys to be good. Cal Steven back on the mound came in after Nate, and uh, pretty impressive here. Perfect inning in the fourth, and then Evan Sierra comes in and uh, starts 
uh, in relief of Durangelo. And then Ross Highfield hits a solo home run to make it 2-0. Pretty impressive. Jackson McKenzie, a guy you need to be ready for. Uh, probably going to you know, have some shutdown time between now and the season, but Jackson McKenzie, a name you don't know yet that you need to know. Big, big bat. He's a can pitch, play left. Hit a home run. Hit a home run. Uh, so, a lot going on. And uh, Gavin Black, a guy that's very intriguing to me, is, uh, you know, a guy with, you know, big velo, has pretty good sync on the pitch. You know, the main thing people want to know is, like, Steve, you know, what's, what's happening, you know, pitching-wise? Because, like, the only thing you ever hear about is, well, you know, one guy walked three in two innings. Well, you know, it's, that's it. No, no, that's not it. Uh, Makai Grant, another good outing for him. He had 98 on the gun and uh, came in in the eighth and got through it without much trouble. You know, I think it's one of those things, too. We've got it. We've committed so many scholarship spots to this. Um, it's got to be better, right? It's got to be better. Alex Walsh is the guy that kind of stood out to me last week. He ran into some walks again this week, but, uh, you know, did, did a pretty good job here. Uh most of the time. They got to him a little bit over the weekend. Give up a grand slam. Grand slam in the ball game. And uh, Cam Schilke doing some good things, too. And uh, Cam, the main thing with him is just kind of figuring out where he fits. But uh, it's an interesting dynamic with all these arms out here and kind of seeing how things are kind of coming to be. But I feel good about where we are right now. I don't know what everybody else has. But I'm beginning to wonder now, Is Nate Dome your Friday night guy? I mean, think about it for a second here. You know, last year he just kind of filled the need wherever we needed it, right? I mean, you know, we, hey, by the time we got him the ball in some ball games, the game had already been decided. You're thinking, man, you know, it's like, could we get Nate the lead? Then he moves into a starting role and he competes really hard, you know, and I think he kind of gassed out a little bit late in the year. You know, of course, he had the little bit of an arm injury at Auburn, but he did come back. We feared the worst, but I'm beginning to ask myself, you know, we went out and spent so much time in the portal, and we did add some arms, but uh, is Justin Parker maybe flipping the, the, the switch a little bit with Nate? And maybe that's a weekend starter for you? Maybe? I know a lot of us have kind of just said, hey, well, he'll be the back-end guy, be the first guy in the bullpen, maybe we'll lose him like Kevin Copps. I don't, I don't know. But I begin to ask myself, as we get deeper into fall, is Parker grooming Nate to be a starter? I mean, you know, Cal Steven, of course, and Carson Ligon, those guys are Power Five starters. And, you know, we hadn't, we hadn't seen much from Carson Ligon. Um, and, you know, we've seen Cal Steven pitch a little bit too. But, you know, it's like you start piecing this thing together. You know what you have with Gerangelo. Uh, you know, how does Lofton factor in? Does Lofton stay on Tuesdays? That's crazy to think about. But I start, I'm beginning to think about Nate and Gerangelo. Is Nate Friday and Gerangelo Saturday, and now what we're kind of competing for is Sunday? Now, Parker will tell you every job is still up for competition, and it is. And that will continue into January until we settle things down and begin to prepare for the season Valentine's Day weekend. But I begin to ask myself, when I see how Nate's been used in the fall and how he has started all three games that he's appeared in and he's been really good and gotten better and better and better and had his best outing of the fall this past weekend, I began to ask myself, 
Is Nate the Friday night guy? I think there's a lot of evidence right now that kind of points to him being a weekend starter. He certainly has the raw materials to be what Justin Parker wants him to be. And so you start working through this and start playing through the options here, and you start beginning to think, well, wait a minute. It's, maybe it's coming into focus. And maybe because uh, most people aren't thinking baseball, maybe people aren't uh, going to fall scrimmages. It used to be we'd have a ton of people out there. There's still some. And there'll be a good bit on Sunday. But uh, my point being is that I think that we have talked so much about this post-portal season saying we didn't get a Friday night guy. You know, we might have had one all along. And that's the question I begin to ask myself. And so I just throw that out to you for food for thought. No decisions have been made. The competition's ongoing. But just consider the fact that I think if I asked any one of you last year, at any point in the season when everybody was healthy and said, hey, when the game is on the line, who do you want to have the baseball? I would submit that probably 90% of Mississippi State fans would say, well, I think I'd want Nate Dome to have the baseball. And there'd be some that would say, you know what, uh, you know, Kate Smith, right? I, I think that's probably your two top vote getters. And so now if you begin to think about, hey, that Parker is working with Nate and we're working a little bit with movement and kind of uh, streamlining the delivery a little bit, because you know he has the arm, right? You know that. But what if Justin Parker can take the raw materials that already exist and then kind of fine-tune them into a way that he becomes a real Friday night guy? Wouldn't that change a lot? Now, I'm not suggesting he's going to be Paul Skeens. Nobody ever will be. You know, Paul Skeens is a freak, one of the best pitchers to ever tow the rubber in college baseball. And I'll go ahead and say it, better than Kumar Rocker and better than Jack Leiter. That's just – and before Skeens got here, that was kind of the standard. Skeens set a new one. And it's amazing what happened with Skeens. And everybody thought, hey, when he was at Air Force and he goes in the portal and you look at the job Wes Johnson did, and he took a guy that was already really good and he made him elite – do you think Justin Parker could do something similar? And I'm not suggesting that he's going to have a Paul Skeens top year. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just saying maybe the right pitching coach paired with a couple of the right guys can like look at this and say, hey, listen, you're doing great here, but what if we just tweak this a little bit here? Yeah, I think one of the things that people forget about Skeens, too, is one of the biggest jumps that he made is he became a PO, give up catching. You know, most difficult position on the field. You can imagine what that means for a pitcher because it's not just your arm, it's your legs, right? Your legs are the biggest part of everything pitching. But what if Justin Parker could just ratchet up Nate a little bit? You know, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't feel concerned about pitching. I don't. Uh, I think we're going to have a good year. And I know it's going to be one of those things where we kind of hang on pins and needles until we get into SEC play. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think you're going to see Justin Parker do some really good things this year. And I think, again, it, it means so much that he knows the league, right? He already has some advanced scouting reports on some of the pit, the, the hitters we're going to face. But I think also, too, the, and the thing that Justin said, you know, shortly after I interviewed him after the portal, he's like, you know, yeah, I'm glad to have these guys. However, I'm really excited about what we got coming back. And uh, I'm eager to see the work that he does with our guys. And uh, I just, again, you can three starts for Nate, and every single one of them, he's gotten better and better and better and better. And so you begin to think about, okay, 
what will he look like in four months' time? Look at where he is today. Where is he going to be as we finalize those scrimmages of uh, preseason and begin to kind of, you know, settle a rotation for opening weekend? Where is he going to be then after four more months of working with Justin Parker? I'm, I'm just laying it out there, just telling you what I see. Nevertheless, let's get out of here. I got to get on the road, got to head down to Hattiesburg and then double back to Arkansas as my new grandchild is expected to be born tomorrow, so I want to be there for that. But uh, let it all settle in for you. Let it all settle in. And uh, you can go to uh, whenthebottomfalls.com and you can pre-order When the Bottom Falls. And again, we'll have your release date here in the next few days. In addition to that, you can get all my sports books there. That's uh, Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and dogpile. And again, uh, quantities of alpha dogs and villains are very, very small. Uh, so be sure and check that out. Stark Villains gear you can find at starkvillains.com. If you hadn't done so, go to jeanspage.com. Go to jeanspage.com, sign up, be a member. The greatest coverage of Mississippi State sports, sports will continue and only get better in the weeks, months, and years to come. Come be a part of that. And over the weekend, we hit an all-time high in subscriptions. How about that? All-time high in subscriptions. And, uh, Treading into some pretty interesting waters, to say the least. And uh, thank all of you for all of your support over the years of the Boneyard, uh, jeanspage.com, and of course, uh, all the books that I've written. And uh, we got more in store for the years to come. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. <laughs>